it takes bravery and courage to create art, to put yourself out there, to be open and vulnerable. It takes real strength to have an artistic vision, to see it through and create something truly unique. And never in the history of cinema has a movie opened with a POD track and gone straight into John Lovitz having a picnic up a tree watching a lady get changed in front of a window. That is a true one-of-a-kind moment in in cinema. It has to be. But Little Nicky, or as it was called in Australia, one of the most terrible fucking movies to ever be released, isn't your average movie. In fact, it is so far below average that there is almost zero reason for it to have ever been created. The film lost money, it received terrible reviews, got some Razzies, It is never mentioned or referenced, although it did bring out a solid soundtrack. And that's what we're talking about today on But Your Death Trip. We're talking P.O.D., Incubus, Deftones, Cypress Hill, Linkin Park, Disturbed, Muse and Filter. During the movie Foo Fighters, uh, there's Everlong, that plays, and Van Halen also featured during the movie. Nicky's bedroom was covered in metal posters, but this side of him isn't really addressed in the movie at all. It actually has sweet fuck all to do with the plot. Never before in cinema has a movie this stupid ended with such a fitting song. At the end of this trash movie, Disturbs Stupefy plays, and everyone who saw it was absolutely stupider for having seen it. Benji, at the end of your life, let's say the credits start to roll. What song do you think would perfectly sum up the situation for you? Oh, what the uh, situation for me being dead, probably deeper underground by Jamiroquai, if I'm going to be honest with you, Reese. I I don't know. I don't know because I don't even know if my last wishes will be fulfilled. I'll be dead. There's no idea what's going to happen. What would I like to have played as the title's role on my, um, well, the end of the movie that is my life? Uh, Yeah. Wow. You've, You've caught me here. I, I once sat between two best friends as they argued whether the Sting solo track, is it called Field of Dreams or if it's Field of Something? I don't fucking know. Whether that was a funeral song or a wedding song because one wanted it for their funeral and one wanted it for their wedding. And I was like, can't you, can't you combine the events? Can't we just two birds, one stone, you know? Yeah, you know, they made a movie for weddings and a funeral. So, you know, that was four weddings and a funeral. They're just talking about a wedding and a funeral here. Um, I reckon it would probably be times like these by Foo Fighters. Accessible, thought-provoking, Dave Grohl. I mean, naturally Dave Grohl would be there live, right? He'd be playing acoustically like he did Everlong. You only get 10 seconds of Everlong and then it cuts to a Hans Zimmerman soundtrack or Danny Elfman or something like that. Fucking full little Nicky style. You went recently through... A bunch of Adam Sandler movies, yeah? Yeah, I did. I did. I lost my mind and decided, you know what? Adam Sandler does some good shit. And then Adam Sandler has renowned to just do absolutely awful shit. You know, for every punch drunk love, Spanglish or Uncut Gems. Yeah, I think it, because I, was, I watched Uncut Gems and went... This is absolutely phenomenal. Like, where, why is this Adam Sandler not doing the kind of things like this all the time? And basically, the guy's living the life. He gets to hire his friends and they get to go to Hawaii or or some 
really gorgeous location, and he gets paid because, you know, believe it or not, he still manages to make, you know, make dollar at the box office. Uh, not a huge amount, but he still manages to. So yeah, I went through a period of watching all of Adam Sandler's movies, and you know, they're they're throwaway. They're they're not bad, but they're certainly not like Citizen Kane or anything like that. I mean, I watched That's My Boy and thought, this is just like ridiculous, but as media intellectual as this is gonna sound, I just treated That's My Boy as Adam Sandler trying to do a John Waters movie. Just something absolutely trashy. And going into it like that, I actually enjoyed it. But no, Little Nicky has very little redeeming value to it. I mean, they had Dana Carvey, who was in Wayne's World, as the corrupt uh, Harlem Globetrotters referee. And even then it was like, I'm I'm wincing. And Dana Carvey did Master of Disguise, which was shit. Uh, unequivocally shit. And yet they managed to put him in a role that was far worse than an entire movie. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. He broke his ankle doing that scene as well. I don't know how you break your ankle doing that. Like, not even Steve Carell broke his ankle during the parkour scenes in The Office. How do you break your ankle as a referee. I don't know, man. He had an awful lot to carry in that movie, didn't he? So maybe he buckled his ankle underneath the weight of of doing all of that stuff. I, I mean, it, it's weird, man. So I've never watched this movie, but you obviously have. You've remembered key scenes. I watched this movie for this podcast. When was the last time you watched Little Nicky? What well, would have been last year as part of my Adam Sandler season? You know, French people like Jerry Lewis, and Jerry Lewis gets ridiculed quite a lot. Everyone does a Jerry Lewis impression as well. So, I don't know, maybe Adam Sandler's going to be like the next Jerry Lewis. Maybe we're going to go back in years and years' time once Adam Sandler's shuffled off uh, this mortal coil and he gets a retrospective where people view him as like a postmodernist, kind of like how people treated Freddie Got Fingered by Tom Green as, oh, well, this is neo-surrealism. It's, it's not to be taken too seriously. But yeah, this movie's just the absolute shit. Well, yeah, on my, in my shit. research on this movie... I watched like a 30 minute documentary on the making of, and I'm really, really torn because Adam Sandler shares a lot of the same sort of artistic ethos as me. We both rush, rush shit out and we'd, we'd rather work. We'd rather produce kind of mediocre garbage with really good friends and good people than produce a masterpiece with a fucking asshole. You know what I mean? And and everyone on that yeah. set was like, this is so much fun. And I, I'm going to guess he's bringing... He and his crew and his writing team bring fun to Hollywood. And so when you can get people like fucking Kaitel and uh, Patricia Arquette and all these people who who they didn't audition and it wasn't written for them, it's not, you know, they read the script and were like, yeah, we're, we're in. We heard it's Adam Sandler. We don't care if it's fucking dog shit. We want to be a part of that. It sounds like fucking fun. There's something to I, that I, I personally really like about that, especially when I was asked, like, to join bands with people who were amazing musicians, but I thought kind of dog shit people. Do you know what I mean? And I'd much rather fucking yeah. be in a, a real shit band with great people than being an amazing band with with pretty rough shit people, you know? So I'm really torn. Well, I mean, that's, that's kind of the ethos that we had with the label is that I'd rather work with a band that, you know, aren't particularly, you know, well-known or that they don't... 
their musical prowess isn't perhaps like incredible but i'd rather work with them if they've got a good heart and realize what we can do uh rather than a band that would be like the second coming of the pixies i always mention and you know just ideas above their station you know hey benji we want to be on pitchfork and we want to be like on on bbc radio one all the time and it's like that's a little bit outside of my scope you know um and yeah i you can't fault adam sandler for for wanting that it's he's making easy money going on exotic locations and he knows that he'll have a core fan base that will will check him out and and you know so what if it makes a loss at the box office you know things like the wedding singer and and big daddy they still generate revenue he's got a netflix deal as well less said about that the better and it's weird because little nicky came off the back of big daddy which was his kind of like another one of his big hits because he had the wedding singer the water boy big daddy and then little nicky so he was coming off a run of very popular movies at the time in terms of like uh commercial value critical value eh, you know so yeah of course everybody wanted to work with him because they saw him and thought Every, uh, this is going to be good exposure we're going to have a lot of money and like you said you know uh, the fact is that it's going to be a lot of fun you get to play basketball with adam sandler you get to just go to again hawaii when it was 51st dates and and all of these other amazing places growing ups growing ups 2 was just fucking holiday city that basketball scene though has to rank second in worst basketball scenes just after the catwoman one really Oh, it's bad. It's not good. Not the Harlem Globetrotters where he's like battling his brother Adrian, I think. Yeah. It's it's not great. Yeah. But Sandler can actually play basketball. So I think he was just like, can we just have a basketball scene? It seems like fun. Yeah, but he actually got like, he got Tarantino. Yeah. I've mentioned Patricia Arquette, Rodney Dangerfield, yeah. John Lovitz, Harvey Keitel. Like that. that's, there's some big names outside of his circle of friends, you know. Your obvious Rob Schneiders and David Spade, although, you know, Spade wasn't in this. I don't, I didn't remember seeing him. Yeah, uh, what's his name? Alan Covert, who was in yeah, Grandma's yeah, yeah. House. Oh, you really went deep, man. You you really went through every one of his movies. Oh, yeah, I know. I really did. I didn't go through all of the Happy Madison productions. That would have been a bit too much. But yeah, man. Uh, yeah, Reese Witherspoon, she was in it as well. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, a, a lot of, yeah, some big names, but. Maybe that's attributed to the fact that he came off that huge kind of um, run of box office success. But yeah, I don't know a lot of people that that liked this movie uh, whatsoever. It seemed to be more kind of little sketches that were kind of interwoven with a very loose plot of you've you've got to save hell, Nicky. Um, I think the funnest part were the two metalheads, and that was about it. Felt like I was watching The Room, essentially, there. Oh, really? A little bit. No, just like their acting and their accents and their <laughs> mannerisms. But the, the, the soundtrack, that you know, we're not a movie podcast. We're talking about hardcore sort of new metal. Yeah, the soundtrack is absolutely phenomenal because it was, it was released by Maverick. So that would explain why there was a lot of Deftones on the soundtrack because they were a maverick act at the time and you know a soundtrack that's got rick rubin as a producer on it scott lynn you know it's it's got 
fucking Linkin Park on it. It's insane. It's a really, really good soundtrack. But it doesn't factor into the movie at all. Like, so he, at, in the start, the, the movie no. opens basically more or less with him air guitaring to some sort of fucking, I think, I don't even know, I can't remember what song it was, but, and his room's covered in new metal posters, like fucking covered in them. Or, and, and also sort of old school metal. And then it's like, oh, he likes metal music. And that is never referenced again, spoiler alert, until Ozzy Osbourne comes back in. And then he doesn't really freak out. The two metalheads are like, Ozzy, and they faint. And it's only 10-second clips of, of songs. So I've gone through the movie. Here's what we've got. Yeah. When, obviously, it opens with P.O.D. And fuck, those, those P.O.D. singles, I haven't listened to a P.O.D. album, and I really need to, but those P.O.D. singles are fucking good. Alive is a great song. Uh, Boom, I think, is played over a lot of rugby clips. Yeah. Southtown, is it Southtown? That fucking, that, that rules. So when the mayor comes out and announces, hey, children can legally get drunk from 10 years of age, Cypress Hill starts playing. Yeah. As children are vomiting their guts out, that you hear Cypress Hill, rock superstar. Then it goes into Everlong, which isn't on the official soundtrack, but that plays when Nicky's going to find his love interest. No. And then when it gets kind of closer to her, like, you know, he's about to find her, Everlong is just about to kick in. Do you know what it goes straight into? It goes to Pardon Me by Incubus, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it fucking blasts Pardon Me. <laughs> Fuck you, Dave Grohl. Brandon Boyd's got something to say. Spoiler alert, when he's climbing up and he looks through the window and then the legend that is Clint Howard is there cross-dressing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's a pretty Adam Sandler trope. Then, when he yeah. gets chased by all the townspeople, it goes back into P.O.D., I think another P.O.D. song. And then a great song, when he goes to heaven, do you happen to remember what the song was? Um... Is it P.O.D. again? No. There is a link to Terminator. Oh, it's, ta- it's Take a Picture by Filter, isn't it? It is. And what is the link between Terminator 2 and Filter? Uh, it is the fact that Robert Patrick from The Terminator and Richard Patrick from Filter are brothers, including the fact that at one point, Robert Patrick joined Filter on stage to sing the chorus of Hey Man, Nice Shot. What's your take on Filter? I like... I really liked Filter. It was... um. Their first album, Short Bus, was absolutely brilliant. And then um, Welcome to the Fold. Um, the title of record, that's what it was called, wasn't it? Because the third one was The Amalgamate. I really like Filter. I mean, I was a big Nine Inch Nails fan and I just felt that Filter was a little bit more accessible, a little bit more poppier in the sense where I like Joy Division, uh and I like Orgy, and Orgy's way more kind of like more upbeat and poppy with the stuff that they do. We're going to have to do an episode on Candy Ass or Candy Ass, depending on where you're from. Oh, we have to. Candy Ass. A-double-S. Ass. Like a donkey. But yeah, I think that Take take a Picture is really what I love in a song. It's basically, I love that, that, that build up and it's basically the same rhythm the same kind of chord progression, more or less, and it just builds upon itself and builds and builds to a great crescendo. That is a fucking great song. It's a, it's a really, really good song. Then Power Man 5000, when his brother takes the throne. Like, this movie just wouldn't fucking end. <laughs> no, Every no, time no, you no, think, well, there, there's a conclusion. It's like, oh, no, we're going back to Central Park. They had three locations to film in, I think. Yeah. ACDC's at the end. POD over the credits. Into, like, this became the Grease Megamix. 
it went from POD into Disturbed, into Deftones, changing, changing the House of Flies, into Muse, into East Trading Wang, or Wong. Um, what is your take, you know, it's currently living in the UK, what is your take on Muse? And why do you think they're the greatest band in the world? Why do I think Muse are the greatest band in the world? Hold on a minute. Fucking hell. That's, I have, to, I have to think more about this question than I did what's going to be played at my funeral. That's not good. I'm used to greatest band in the world. I always thought that they were incredibly super serious and you don't need to be super serious. I, I liked Origin of Symmetry, but then I had the uh, plug-in baby theme as my monophonic ringtone on my Nokia 3310 which is still available through our good friends the internet. Um, yeah, I, I, I've I got a soft spot for Muse. Uh, early First Muse. two albums are fucking great. Yeah, bang on, bang on. I bought the on. Hullabaloo DVD and that scene where they must have just played a festival with Slipknot. Have you seen that scene where Matt Bellamy's wearing a mask and he just keeps saying, sit the fuck down, jump the fuck up? It's a great Corey Taylor impression. If not, I'll chuck it on the Instagram for you. Nah, check uh, it's on the fuck, ground for it's, me. It's yeah, really, but... really good. But I've never in my life seen a band get sucked so far up their own ass as quickly as Muse did. They're like, we've released two great albums. Cool. Time to yep. wear fucking rock star glasses. And they did that one thing I hate where they get two separate sort of objects and link them together like butterflies and epic spacecrafts. You're like, all right, there's nothing linking them. Like, what are you doing here? Black holes and skincare. I really enjoyed Knights of Cydonia, which was one of their later singles. But then I thought the music video for that was a fantastic pastiche of uh, spaghetti, uh, Italian spaghetti sci-fi, just those kind of rip-off B-movie style. If you've not seen the video to it, check it out. Because it's got um, an Australian actor in it. Well, a New Zealand-born Australian actor. Bruce... Is it Bruce Glover? Bruce Russell? Sam Neill? No, no, no. Definitely not Uncle Sam. Definitely not Uncle Sam. Uh, he was in Mad Max. Charlize Theron. He was in Mad... He was in... No, he was in the... He was in Mad Max 2 and Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. And he played the guy that effectively rescued them in his little airplane. Oh, spoiler alert. Oh, what is his name now? Not Angry Anderson. No, oh, not Angry, Angry Anderson. Anderson. Oh. Bruce Spence. Great. Uh, shout out to Bruce Spence. If you're listening, sign up to our Patreon, man. We've got to get a Patreon for Bruce Spence now. Bruce Spence only Patreon from here on in. That's it, man. I mean, he was in Ace Ventura when nature calls. <laughs> He's one of Australia's finest exports, man. Honestly, I don't think anyone would know his name at all. I guarantee someone will know Bruce Spence as the gyro pilot from Mad Max 2. I absolutely guarantee it. So think about Muse getting sucked up their own ass. There was a triple... Yeah, into their own brown hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, butterflies and brown holes. There was a Triple J breakfast program, and I can't remember who the host was, either Tom, or Ale- Tom and Alex and, or someone. They established this test called the Kaiser Chiefs test. Do you know about this? No. So Kaiser Chiefs came in years, years before they were famous. Oh, no, a year before they were famous. Really blew up. And they were the nicest guys. Like the fucking coolest, most beautiful guys in the world. And then they, they had a hit single, fucking Ruby or whatever it was called. And then a year yeah. later they came back and then, the, you know, their manager's like, don't look at them, don't really talk to them, just ask your questions, don't ask these questions. And they were totally different guys. Like 
they fully got sucked up into the rock star stratosphere. They were they were human centipeding their way around the industry, and they'd totally forgotten of who they were. Either they always had it in them, or you know, there's that famous saying: money just reveals who you really are. It doesn't really change much. It yeah. just reveals who you are. So the Kaiser Chiefs test, and they would always. So when a band would come in, let's say it's Tame Impala, or you'd have uh, the Wombats. The Wombats are always in Australia, by the way. Are they? They'd be like, oh, are they going to pass the Kaiser Chiefs test? Which will, when they come back, will they be assholes or not? Which is, I think Muse would fail. And I once played, so my band in B- from Bendigo, we were getting shows at the Hi-Fi Bar in Melbourne. I'm not sure if you know the size of that venue. It's quite large. Now, we'd never played in Melbourne. So my first ever my first ever Melbourne show, get this, the night before us was the Mars Volta. Oh, wow. The night after us was Muse. Oh, wow. And we had no fans. I don't know how. I think it was one of those ones where the promoter just liked us. And he's like, yeah, I thought you were on a Friday night. Go for it. You can headline to no one. This is before you could promote to um like you could promote online there was no real myspace or anything there was like bendigo bands forum yeah where a dude had like scanned his testicles and that was the banner for it the sound guy was saying oh we just had this band mars volta play last night it was crazy during sound check the singer climbed up the curtain and hung there from his teeth and he got so far up like if he jumped it would have broken his ankle so he had to climb back down and he's like, that was during sound check to an empty place. And he goes, tomorrow we've got this band Muse, and I don't know much about them, but they've got seven trucks coming with them. And you know, and then there was us playing to fourteen people, and I was like, oh, Melbourne shows are cool. You get to play between Muse and Mars Volta. Nope. That's uh, that's definitely something that you could put on the CV, isn't it? Um, did anyone else fail the Kaiser Chiefs test? Um, that's a good question. I don't, not that I know of. I mean, bands that really, like Arctic Monkeys are an interesting one because obviously they started on MySpace and then Alex was like, I'm a crooner. It's like, oh, okay. Like the last of the Shadow Puppets, their, their first album was fucking a banger. It was, that was really, really, really good. But I don't know if he's become an, uh, an asshole or if he's just like, you know, discovered someone's 60s vinyl collection. At an op shop. Oh, he's definitely become a greaser, hasn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. He keeps looking There's at my fly girl. hundred percent that he's come a greaser, and that uh, last of the shadow puppets was basically him doing his best uh, impression of, oh, what was it? Uh, the Style Council. I always got Style Council vibes because it was like an image, a present. Um, Miracle Alina was a fantastic song. I remember crooning along to that at a couple of. Uh, shindigs at the pub they, they had to do something their sort of song style was unsustainable and they got better and better and then like all right now let's change paths so I, I guess they're still headlining festivals in the uk there's a weird thing in england where it's or in the uk sorry where it feels like a band will blow up and then kind of like just be content with the following that they've got so they'd go from headlining a, a big festival like leeds or reading or glastonbury and then later down the line just do the whole yeah we don't mind being like you know third from the top on on leads because you know we're playing three other festivals smaller ones that uh you know that that they've asked us to headline so you know it's it's similar money uh for a lot more kind of exposure i'm just surprised just how much they were gambling on little nicky being a multimedia um spectacular because 
not only did they pour money into the movie itself, they poured movie into like uh, uh, merchandising uh, uh, and a Game Boy Color video game. Yeah, I watched that. It actually looks like it. You, it even walks like him, and I I can't. We'll definitely go back to this point. I cannot mention this movie without just mentioning. I find it really sad and incredibly frustrating that Adam Sandler feels a need to have a silly voice. And where he's like, oh, my brother hit me with a shovel. That's why I'm disfigured. It's like, you, you, you're you just talking out the side of your mouth. And that was based on a guy he went to high school with. And you're not, there's no scars. There's no like lumps or bumps. And at one stage, no. even Patricia Arquette says, oh, I'm really ugly. So no one ever wanted to talk to me. So like, you're wearing glasses. That's it. You look fantastic. What are you talking about? But he feels that need to, to do those silly voices. Happy Gilmore is, is a great movie, probably probably because he doesn't do that voice. So there's little Nicky, the water boy. He does a stupid fucking voice. Yeah, that's him being a canteen boy from Saturday Night Live. So he, he borrowed that bit from a previous bit. Yeah. What other movies did the stupid voice? Um. I mean, he dipped in and out of it in in most of his movies, but I'm just trying to think. Like, nothing else, really. Because everything after that, he stopped being a character actor and just started... Oh, you don't mess with the Zohan? Hubie Hubie Halloween? Does he do a voice in Hubie Halloween? I'm sure he does a voice in Hubie Halloween. That kind of like, I'm going to start... I'm going to talk really abruptly. And, uh, yeah. And I'm going to be real childlike with my voice. You know, that kind of shit. Yeah, it's a shame. It's just like, you don't need it. I get the impression you don't care about the fucking script. Or that you just want to hang out with your friends. You don't need a silly voice. Does uh, Jack and Jill qualify as Adam Sandler doing a voice? I, I refuse to see that. I've heard nothing but fucking horrendous things. Did you watch it in... That's... No, that's the one movie I got like... <laughs> that's where you draw the line. the way through and I thought, this is more offensive than fucking... That's my boy, and that—that's—it's just—it's just awful. What? I mean, what was he thinking doing Hubie Halloween? What was he thinking doing a range of movies? You know, uh, uh, which we've already discussed. Oh, you know, it's basically an excuse for him to get paid, go on holiday, and do some cool stuff. But what did Jack and Jill? Where, where's the glamorous location there? Or was it the fact that he got to work with Al Pacino? And fucking hell, has, has Al Pacino recovered from his starring role in that movie yet or not? Al Pacino's talent is like amazing actor, but I've never seen it because all I get was like, meet the fuckers too, or meet the parents or, or fuck you or something. Meet the fuckers, I won't do what you tell me. And then just like dirty grandpa or something. Or is that De Niro? Oh, that, that's De Niro, man. <laughs> Pacino did Scarface, he did Carlito's Way, Serpico. Yeah, I know all the classics, but what's he done Um, recently? Interesting you should bring up De Niro though, isn't it? Because I (laughs) I see here in your notes that you found out that De Niro was the inspiration for Adam Sandler. Robert De Niro in Angel Heart, where he, spoiler alert, played Lucifer. Um, He based that... Adam Sandler based his little Nicky part a little bit on, like you mentioned, a guy that went he went to school with in terms of the yep. voice. But then as Robert Dinner, I I've seen Angel Heart. I did not get that whatsoever. Oh, when I read the snow, I thought, are you taking the piss? No, Adam Sandler was like basically imagine if this was like a fuck like he it's kind of like the the um scary movie take of Scream. You know, it's like imagine if this was fucking dumb, but with 
without yeah. any of the irony or the wit or the sort of self-referential or the self-referential sort of stuff. But going back to the reason I mentioned the face and the the voice in the Game Boy Color, they actually get his avatar to move like little Nicky, which is impressive on the game. I watched some like gameplay. But yeah, even yeah. on the DVD, they had like little extra features and stuff like and I at the time I didn't get it, but now when you say, "Hey, you came off this run of fucking huge movies." You can understand why why this why it snowballed into this could be our next big thing. That video game got eight out of ten as well. Yeah, I think I think it's just based on like Donkey Kong, but then they just put in like little Nicky. Uh, oh yeah, that that makes sense. But so, um, Aussie, but yeah, I mean, we 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 just we don't need to talk about the soundtrack when we should because it's. I think we're both in agreement that the the soundtrack absolutely slaps. It's 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 a really really good soundtrack. Has there been any other situations though where it's been it's a good soundtrack but a shit movie? Scream three, potentially. Yep, that's that's a good one. Yep, I know what you did last summer. Uh, was that a bad movie? I fucking no. I mean, I don't think it was great. I wasn't. I wasn't a, a huge huge fan of it at the time, perhaps, but the soundtrack was definitely. Look, spoiler alert again. For I still know what you did last summer. You know that, yeah. Yeah, I know that. There's a few questions I've got. The, the ultimate question in cinema that I have is. In Billy Madison, how did he know that O'Doyle's family were going to go down when they drove over a banana peel? And why were they driving towards a cliff? You know how he's like, I've got a feeling your whole family's going down. And then they do, and they yell O'Doyle rules. How did Billy Madison know? But here's, here's the next question. I still know what you did last summer. Here comes, if you don't want to know the killer, skip ahead. When it's like, my name's Will Benson. Yeah. You know, Ben Will's son. It's like, what a risk to take. Imagine if, like, you introduce yourself and they're like, oh, wait, wait a Imagine minute. Imagine if it was Monique <laughs> instead of, like, Brandy, who was in that situation. But, like, you just go, wait a minute. This is unnecess- This is an unnecessary risk. You could have just, like, imagine if Jennifer Love Hewitt was like, oh, I've got it. I know who you are now. Your name sounds so familiar. <laughs> you could have just called yourself, like, Derek. Yeah. You know, the D-man. Or, uh, <laughs> or, or Deke. Deke Jones. Yeah, man, but that's not really, you know, they were trying to be clever with that movie, weren't they? And and also when he failed. hacks into the karaoke machine, imagine having to learn that. Like, you're like taking a course in electronics and programming. It's like, why are you in the course? Like, ah, oh, a girl killed my father and I'm just going to go on a holiday with her. And I'm not sure if this is going to come in handy. If she's ever singing a karaoke song, I'll be able to kind of hack into the mainframe and, and fuck with the system. What a waste of skills, man. Fucking just enjoy yourself, man. You've got all these new skills. Go live a better life. She's stuck in a fucking crab-infested town anyway. <laughs> fucking move on. You've got so many great skills. You've got a great radio voice. <laughs> move. Go and become a DJ somewhere. Absolutely. Hey, speaking of horror movies, um, we've actually got an advert from uh, a, a, an up-and-coming independent movie production company i believe that's the word that i'm going to be using in order to introduce this advert um but yeah it's an upcoming movie for the summer now that things are starting to reopen and it seems apt to place it now after our discussion about horror movies so yeah let's take a listen to uh, this week's advert there's a danger lurking this summer they arrive in large groups they take over vast areas without warning and they attack. 
They consume vast amounts of oxygen with their self-importance, suffocating people. They hook unsuspecting people with drugs but leave them ending up in a state of disarray with their caftans and Diablo wheels. <laughs> their threat is real. Their meat products, not so much. <laughs> Ruining your day out in the park with their bohemian antics and circus tricks. <laughs> their passive-aggressive way to recommend organic produce. <laughs> they terrorize you with music from Leonard Cohen and Strawberry Alarm Clock and make mention how great Willie Mason is. <laughs> From the mind that brought you the horror that is the puddle of mud, allow West Scanlon to bring you the new face of horror this summer. <laughs> Streaming now through Real Media. <laughs> this looks like a good movie, man. Hippies, eh? Wow. What will they think of next? What will they think? There's a girl who, um, I'll, I'll shout her out, is, her name is Poppy, and she used to uh, vlog in China, and obviously living in China, I was like, oh, what, what's okay. this about? It came in my algorithm a lot on YouTube, and she's since moved to, like, the coast of Australia, and she's this American girl, and she just hangs out in, like, hippie communes now, and vlogs it. Oh, so much fire twirling. You really think they'd be over it by now. It's like, we've I've seen 40 seconds of it, and I'm like, I get fire twirling. I don't know. I just I got a thing about hippies, and when that horror movie idea came through from Wes Scantlin, and I was like, "Oh, okay, it's gonna cost that much." And he was like, he handed me the money and went, "Hey, take it all away!" <laughs> and I was like, "I'll take all that money off you, man." man cool beans, cool. Hippie, hold up on hippies. On hippies, though. Yeah, they're always playing acoustic guitars. Play a fucking minor chord once in your goddamn life. It doesn't all have to be G's, D's, A's, and C's. Throw an A minor or a D minor in there. Fucking, I'd even take an E minor, the happiest of the minors. Hey, look, I don't trust anybody that will turn around and tell me that the only music I ever have to listen to is either Ben Harper or Jack Johnson. I just, I don't know how I feel about that. The only music I should ever listen to. So speaking of going acoustic, though, you might know more than me. Deftones did the yeah. acoustic version of Be Quiet and Drive with Brandon Boyd and Adam Sandler on guitar. I'm sure you've seen it. Was this the first time they did yeah. that acoustically? No, uh, I, th I believe that when they recorded um, when they recorded it as part of their around the first sessions, they they did an acoustic version. Uh, and it was only in the last maybe four or five years that they actually released the music video that they made to it as well. Like they did two music videos for um, Be Quiet and Drive. The one that we're familiar with where he's going batshit crazy with like a hose pipe towards the end of it. And then they did another one, which is him moodily sat there with his, he stood there with his arms folded and stuff like that. So... I don't know if it was ever officially released before then, but yeah, it, it, it was floating about. I'm sure it was floating about around peer-to-peer -peer networks like LimeWire oh, and stuff like that. I listened like to that. it solely for a year. And you remember on like MSN, you could have that last FM link. It'd be like, now listening to. I reckon my now listening to yeah. was constantly Be Quiet and Drive Acoustic. I was more interested because 
this is around the time where we'd be downloading music and I downloaded him doing it was Adam Sandler it was Chino Marino, Brandon Boyd and there was another musician as well and it was them covering the Joker Oh no that 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 goes in so after be quiet and drive be quiet and drive Yeah the POD boys come out and they join in and that's when they cover the Joker Yeah that's right and Abe Cunningham's on guitar because there's a music video for that, isn't there? Or it would have been one of those MTV movie specials where they, they spoke about everything. And it says the credits roll uh, for this special. But yeah, yeah on, this, on yeah. this movie and the music, it really feels like a last-minute edition. It's like, oh, what's popular at the moment? Oh, Limp Bizkit, fucking... Um, all right, POD, they're coming up. All right, just throw them in. They never really mention it. Like, Ozzy Osbourne comes in, like I said, but other than that, but... I'm going to test your memory because I have a game for you, Benji. Okay. And at the start, he has some he has some patches on him, but I'm talking about the posters in his bedroom. I had a look. I've, I froze frames and I had a quick look around. Take a look around. Of course you did. Of course you did. I want you to tell me which of these band posters were up in little Nicky's room. So I'll give you three options. You have to pick the one that was definitely up in his bedroom. Okay. At the okay. very start of the movie. Are you ready? Yep. I think, you, I think you'll get five for five. Connor, fucking come on, you can match him. Was it Slipknot, Il Nino, or Machine Head? Ah, uh, I, 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 I don't want to say Slipknot because it just doesn't seem to fit in with the kind of steez that they were going with. Um, but then I don't think I don't know about Il Nino either. Uh, I, I'm gonna say. That wouldn't be that cool to be machine. I'm gonna say machine head. Is it a poster of Rob Flynn? No, it was Slipknot. A fucking ah, two beautiful Slipknot fuck. posters. I had one of them, but fucking yeah, really. It, it was the um, self-titled album cover. Really, really good. Yeah, nice. Next one, Corn, Cold Chamber, or Kitty? Uh, Corn. Yeah, there was a bunch of corn and it was the same poster I had that my mum got for me. My mum used to go on these like bus tours to Melbourne where they'd just go to like DFO outlets, like direct factory outlets. And uh, she came back with, she like, do you like this band? Yeah. And it was that one where they're on like, they've got the pit bulls and it's white background and they're on like the BMXs with the high handlebars. Oh, so it's the around follow the leader, that cycle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's in little Nikki's bedroom. Exact same one I had. I had it laminated and it was too heavy. So I kept just taking like massive chunks out of the plaster trying to pin it up and it would just slide down slowly. Was it Wasp, Everclear, or Fear Factory on little Nikki's wall? Oh, is it Wasp? Yeah, it was Wasp. Yeah, oh, yeah. You would have seen that Fear Factory straight 80s away. Fuck like a beast, satanic panic bands, didn't it? So. All right, man. Two more. Did you see in Little Nicky a typo negative poster, a motorhead poster, or a cradle of filth poster? Ooh. Now, part of me wants to say cradle of filth just to go through those satanic themes again, but... What was the second one again? Typo negative, motorhead, or cradle of filth? I want to say motorhead... You are correct. Well done. Yeah, man. That was, yeah, that man. That was really good. Well done. Well done. And lastly, Ministry, Disturbed, or Sepultura? Disturbed. No. 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 It well, was Ministry. In the soundtrack. You'd think that that would be synchronicity. 
But they didn't get Slipknot on the soundtrack, but Slipknot posters were everywhere. No, Corn on that's the soundtrack. What, Korn that's posters. what spins me out because I thought that, I you know, with Wasp, I can understand, but like a Roadrunner Records act on a movie which is soundtracked by Maverick, I thought, oh, that that doesn't sound. No, it's ministry. Know, it's but weird. there was, there was no Sepultura poster, but there was a Soulfly poster, which I thought is fantastic. Like that's what we want. Yeah, we want Max. All day, every day. We want Max Tracks every Friday coming at you from Facebook Live. God, it's, that's so good. That's so good. Do you know what else is really good? If you watch The Sopranos, um, every season, AJ's got a different new metal poster in his room. So the the set designers really, really knew what young people were into. I caught a uh, Cold Chamber poster He loved poster Cold Chamber, there. I remember. Yeah, a, a Chimera poster was in there at one point as well. It was impressive. It was really well, impressive. Have you seen Mayor of Easttown? No. Well, there's a character who's interviewed by the police, and he's wearing a corn shirt, and it's a new corn shirt. So it's like the modern-day corn sort of thing. So it's great. They're still kind of painting these like sort of depressed, outcast, moody teenagers. It's like, oh, they like corn. It's like, yeah, yeah. Don't worry the fact that corn have gone down the dubstep route now. They're still moody because, you know, it's corn. Um, Just going back to set designers, is it true that Ozzy was really impressed with the set design of Little Nicky that he hired that person to do Ozfest? <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. That is, that is true. So that's in the making of where... So Ozzy came and everyone's like, oh my God, Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. And Ozzy had a few goes and they showed his raw takes. No good. Like he's so slow. He just moves so incredibly slow. And then he just, like the hell scenes, there's three separate sets for hell. Yeah. And it's, it's it, obviously that's where the $80 million went. They spent $80 million basically on that and the CGI, like to turn Adam Sandler into a bunch of spiders. Yeah. So, they, yeah, Ozzy was just like, oh my fucking God, this looks amazing. Went to the guy, I'm like, yo, can you do this on tour? And he's like, yeah, man, for an exorbitant fee, I definitely can. And he's like, great, cool. So yeah, he was an OzFest set designer. I'm not sure for the whole festival or just Ozzy or the main stage, but yeah, that that is, that's true. That's interesting. I mean, the trivia is more entertaining than the actual movie itself, isn't it? I read here that Marilyn Manson was originally meant to be involved, but he had scheduling conflicts, which which is probably for the best because given all the trouble that Marilyn Manson's been involved in recently, it would make the movie uh, shit and problematic. It's kind of weird that stuff with Marilyn Manson because he admits to fucking some pretty heinous shit in the book, That Long Road Out of Hell. He talks about that, like the things he did with this girl with Trent Reznor or whatever. People at the time must have read it and be like, oh, that's that's fucking wild. Rock and roll's crazy. It's like, no, nah, that's fucking horrendous abuse. It's, it's gross. It's 100% gross. And I don't understand. Me and Maeve had this exact conversation of, why are people surprised? He basically owned up to that behavior in his book. It's just because he was like a, a, a shock rock musician. People thought, oh, you know, it's probably part of his persona. Like, that's not part of someone's persona. That's generally someone being a shitbag. Yeah. And and when would that book have been fucking released? Like 97, 98 or something? Like that's that's a long like he's had a long time of it's been on the record. Yeah. And yet no one did anything about it. Um Harvey Keitel was originally uh well the Satan who Harvey Keitel plays 
was originally meant to be Dustin Hoffman. Yep, yep, Captain Hook himself. Dustin Hoffman ended up doing uh, Meet the Fockers. Uh, oh no, um, Little Fockers, isn't it? The second one. Meet the Parents is the first one. Meet the Fockers was the second one. Yeah. If you were the Deftones, would you put Change in the House of Flies on this album? It would have been around the time that White Pony was getting released, wouldn't it? So yeah. I think from a marketing standpoint, that makes sense. From a creative standpoint, no. Absolutely <laughs> not. Man. Yeah. I'd put nothing on that soundtrack. I think and again, it's the soundtrack is the most redeeming part of this movie. The soundtrack, the video game, they were both really I mean, me and you, we're critics, apparently. You know, sat in our rooms, casting stones from our pedestals up high. You know, we both think that the soundtrack's really good. And uh, IGN, uh, they believe that the video game was really good. So why did the movie suck when everything else around it seemed to have worked well? Was it laziness? Yeah, it's just laziness. There was a bunch of different things, but the key ingredient is effort, really. And there was no fucking effort on this. Uh, to go back to the soundtrack, though, do you think Rock Superstar, a song that I was obsessed with, by the way, is the original Lose Yourself? Oh, that's a very good question, Reese. Um, and In what sense? That the guitar riff over rap and, and that big, big chorus. Uh, you know, Lose Yourself is more about, you know, lifting yourself up. You can do it. Fucking let's kick six goals, Carlton, against Richmond, but end up fading away in the fourth quarter. Whereas, you know, rock superstars more like, hey, you think you want to be famous. It actually kind of sucks. You know, you're always looking over your shoulder constantly, like 24-7. Yeah. You, you never sleep. So, but that, that, jin, 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 jin. That's I don't know. I think I think there's a couple of people that would say that like Beastie Boys beforehand incorporated guitars, like with sabotage and stuff like that uh, in terms of like guitars and rap music. Um in terms of it being like a boss song to pump you up, like at like um, lose yourself is a is a very good, you know. When I go out walking, sometimes I'll listen to um, lose yourself just to kind of get me in that first phase of like, all right, let's dust off the cobwebs. We're going for a walk. Same with um, rock superstar. It's it's a pavement pounding song. You know, it's like. Either that, I'm on the treadmill, for example, and I'll put that on. It's like, this is definitely the pace I'm going at. And now I'm about to step it up just a little bit more with some Fear Factory just running along to those quadruple kicks. Oh my god. Your cadence is totally fucked. It's all in triplets. Yeah, that's why I've got sciatica at the minute, man. I've I've tried to run to Fear Factory and ended up like just... (laughs) fucking ruining honestly i have got a real bad case of sciatica as well ladies and gentlemen i'm not joking it's not from running the fear factory it's from the lack of running to fear factory that's caused it man and the heat oh it's hot oh oh it's 23 degrees god damn we've got listeners in sydney who are sweating through winter i've got nothing but respect for sinead o'connor nothing but respect like that woman stood up in fucking Against ultimate peer pressure. Where is this going? Oh, where's this going? Hold on. Well, she stands up against the Catholic Church. She fucking is incredibly, like, powerful. Takes these huge public stands. And then little Nikki was like, hey, do you want to... 
you want to put a song on our soundtrack? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Like, that's fucking weird, is it not? Dancing Lessons, written by Sinead O'Connor. She's had a, a very, very weird life, though, hasn't she, Sinead O'Connor? Um, maybe she thought little Nikki was the next, you know, the one-two punch against the Catholic Church. Yeah, but maybe, maybe she thought, oh, this movie's, this movie's basically taking the piss out of religion. It's going to be like just a, a complete paragon of iconoclasm against the patriarchal systems and the dogmatic, um, disgust that is, uh, uh, you know, religion, but nope, it's a dog fucking another dog at one point. Well, I just had a fucking brainwave. This is this might be the most poignant thing I say in this episode, if not my entire life. All right, L- little Nikki is a Chad fuckboy version of Dogma. Don't at me. That's the truth. That's, Dogma is a superior that... movie in every single way. It ticks all the boxes. Little Nikki could have, but little Nikki's too busy making like, oh, you got tits on your head, joke. I can I can see that and I can appreciate where you're coming from. Um and sadly I think Kevin Smith's career at times is at that point where uh, you know Adam Sandler was or is. I mean like yoga hoses, what the fuck was that all about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously. Has it become a movie podcast now? What the hell was that movie all about? Red State? Oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make fun of, you know, um, the uh, Westboro Baptist Church, you know? And it's like, the, uh, you're shooting fish in a barrel. Can you at least shoot the fish that is like geek culture? I mean, have you watched Jay and Silent Bob reboot? But I think you're right. I think that, um, I don't, I'm not sure it's the answer to dogma, but I think that <laughs> little, I think that little, I think little Nicky is the... The Chad frat boy, red solo cup, kegger, some idiots decided to jump off a roof, through the trestle table where all the drinks are, having a yardy. I think it's 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 that aesthetic attached to Dante's Inferno. <laughs> that's that's the that's the Instagram. That's sciatica talking, man. Right that's there. not you. So to to sum up a TLDR version of this podcast, uh, Little Nicky the movie not so good. Little M- Nicky the video game excellent. Little Nicky the soundtrack absolutely slaps. Well done, Maverick, for pulling it together and giving a little bit of um, hutzpah entertainment. Hutzpah, I like that. A little bit of entertainment to what is otherwise. And Stupefy is the best Disturbed song, so it's great to kind of do that. The credits are really interesting, though, because it's like 10 seconds of each song. It just kind of fades into each one. So they were just like, oh, fuck, we've got all these other songs. Just, just throw them on. Just throw them on. But Stupefy is a great way to go out of that fucking movie. I don't know in the the Adam Sandler sort of canon, if you Universe. will. Universe, yeah. Yeah, if the, the ASU, where... What came next? Which movie came next? Uh, after Little Nicky, it was... Was it... No, it wasn't Mr. Deeds. Oh, you fuck. You fucking bring Mr. Deeds up on this podcast. On my goddamn podcast, you bring up you, Mr. Hey, Deeds. Hey, we had one asked, rule. Mate. You the un- asked. The unspoken rule of Budget Air Trip is you don't bring up Mr. Deeds. Dundurchie. Why? Why? Why don't you bring up Mr. Deeds? Because <laughs> I'd forgotten about that, man.
Oh my god, right. It was uh, Punch Drunk Love after Little Nicky. When I close my eyes, I see Goatsy. And I've got so much... I can't remember my mum's birthday. I see Goatsy. And now you're putting Mr. Deeds back into my head. I'd really worked hard to filter that shit out, man. Fucking hey. You've, you've never once tried to filter out Goatsy. Like, you've never once tried to filter out Jenkum, you know... Like you've, you know, so after Little Nicky, he did Punch Drunk Love, which kind of redeemed Little Nicky. And then after that was Mr. Deeds. And then after that, then he went and did like a movie a year. 2002, Mr. Deeds. 2003, Anger Management. 2004, 51st Dates. 2005, The Longest Yard. 2006, Click. 2007, Rain Over Me was a pretty good dramatic role. 2007, he also did I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry. 2008, just from the looks of things, it seems that you're averaging a good Adam Sandler movie every five years. If I was doing these projects, my friends would reach out to me and say, are you okay, man? Like, these are cries for help. Then you've got people like, can we be on the next one? Seems like fun. There's a classic Rob Schneider story in Australia where uh, he... Adam Sandler was being interviewed in a tiny room. You know how they have like Melbourne to Sydney crosses. And so he's in Sydney and he just does his press junket from there. He's in a tiny booth, Adam Sandler, fucking tiny. And one, uh, it might've been like triple J or whatever. Someone who knew movies. Oh, Hey, is there's a, does Rob Schneider have a fucking role in this movie too? Like making a joke. And Adam Sandler goes, I don't know. Why don't you ask him? And then Rob Schneider pokes his head in and goes, Hey guys, how you going? It's like, you can't even be... Like, he's in a fucking vocal booth <laughs> yeah. with you. Like, can't you go two minutes without this cunt next to you? Is he? Does he have an umbilical cord to Adam Sandler or something like that? Well, I directly do his head, Kirk Hammett style. Ah, uh, well, Rob Schneider. We'll do what? We'll do a Rob Schneider movie soundtrack like, like Deuce Bigelow, Mal Gigolo. But um, next episode, we're actually going to be a bit more serious and talk about the absolute beauty of Linkin Park's hybrid theory. Uh, rest in peace Chester Bennington uh, just how important that was to the scene and other dumb anecdotal stuff that both me and Reese can recall so until then I've been Benji regards <laughs> regards oh god it's like I'm signing off an email here isn't it regards Benji and I've been Reese. all the best <laughs>